Who are we canceling today? How about Alex Jones? I don't think we've ever canceled Alex Jones before. Isn't that kind of wild? I mean, the fucker deserves it. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Olive Rash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me, Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic around cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shitposting. Okay, Caitlin, I had I had I had a realization. Okay, so you've met Lila, my girlfriend, right? Yes. So Lila has been trying to explain to me for years that I'm quote unquote big on Twitter. And I'm like, I have like 5,000 followers. Like I have more followers than like Uh a lot of people, but I'm not like, like Caitlin's kind of big on Twitter. But like, (laughs) I'm not, and like, I'm not big on Twitter. Uh Um, And also like Caitlin's like big on Twitter, but like Caitlin's not like, like huge on Twitter. Caitlin's like- Right. Okay. So, so I think that this is like a fundamental, like, just like thing where like a lot of people talk past each other all of the time around Mm -hmm. this, right? Like when we're talking about followers and power and all of this, and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm working through this right now. So it might, my thoughts are a little bit messy. So like disclaimer, I'm full, I'm a little (laughs) bit full of shit. Um, Aren't we all though? Right. But I finally um, understood what she was saying Uh and that like the trans people on Twitter are like a smaller proportion of Twitter. Right. Uh And so if you're if you're big in like a community on Twitter, there's like there's like some influence there that's like Mm -hmm. disproportionate to like your like influence in society. Right. Like it's like about your influence on a community as opposed to like. Like, I've just seen a lot of people have conversations on Twitter, like, oh, followers isn't power, followers doesn't, like, have an impact. And, like, it maybe doesn't, like, have a direct correlation on, like, like institutional, like, hard power, but in terms of, mm-hmm. like, influence and thoughtfulness. So I just, that is another fold in thinking about the way that I use Twitter and exist yeah. online, because I'm like, I'm a nobody. <laughs> um, like, like, I mean, yeah, like I have some followers or whatever, but I'm like, whatever, like I'm, you know, and I'm just, and like, I still like, I'm not like, oh, I'm a big shot or any like bullshit like that. Yeah. But like, like, I do think that like, when you have power, it's really like, important to be thoughtful about how you use it or when you have any kind of influence yeah um and i just didn't see see myself that way at all really um <laughs> i have trouble with this right because like and i run into this with my friends where they're like oh i had a tweet do numbers and they're like they have like 100 or 200 followers or like 800 followers and their definition of doing numbers is like five retweets and i'm like i could just say like fart noises on Twitter and get a hundred retweets <laughs> if I really tried at it. Um, so like it's a matter of perspective, but like I wouldn't even say I'm quote unquote big on Twitter. Like uh, to me, like a hundred thousand followers is is where you start getting into the the big territory, and I'm well short of that. Um, I think I'm like medium large. <laughs> Right. Well, on regular Twitter, but if you're talking yeah. about trans Twitter, on trans if you're talking Twitter, about- yeah. Um, and-, and also like lefty media Twitter, I think I have a lot of followers that come from there. Like those are the two main sort of sources. Also, UMass Twitter. Um, we're very small, but feisty. So shout out to them. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, like, you know, I think you're kind of like medium on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've always considered myself pretty small, but this framing—you know—I was I was high, so things were hidden different. Um. <laughs> you know, everything everything on Twitter changes when you hit ten thousand followers. That's like, yeah, thank God I'm not there. Yeah, ten thousand is a number where things get a little bonkers after that, um, and that was the point when I like turned off notifications from people who don't follow me. So like, I don't, I don't even see it unless somebody that follows me responds to somebody else. But yeah, it's an interesting conversation. 
yeah, I, I'm sure I will have more thoughts and want want to to talk about this more at some point. But I, I thought that I don't know. It, it I just think that like I feel like all of this cancel culture stuff, right? A lot yeah. of it is on Twitter, and so when I kind of have a new understanding of how it works or some of the dynamics on there, yeah. um, I think it's really interesting. And yeah. you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this kind of like like kind of my views on this aren't settled aren't mm-hmm. like um but they're definitely there's like a shift happening right now um that's yeah. really interesting so i just i wanted to share that okay so so moving on from from my galaxy brain high thoughts that <laughs> no one honestly needs to hear um <laughs> on today's show we are welcoming back the one and only parker malloy who is the author of the present age newsletter um, you can find that at readthepresentage.com. And we are going to be talking about Alex Jones and the trial around Sandy Hook and the misinformation that he's been spreading and how that's been impacting the families of Sandy Hook uh, today. And also get into a larger conversation about um, Alex Jones and misinformation and, and you know what to fucking do about that. And if you don't already know, um, Parker Malloy used to be the editor at large of Media Matters for America, and she's someone who is like a huge expert on all of this stuff. And so I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Hey, it's it's good to be here. Thanks, uh, thanks so yeah. much for having me back. Welcome back. Here, uh, I think joining the official crew of Repeat Guests on the pod itself. Ooh. Um, you are also on our our live stream, which I, I don't was. think we've done another one since then. So we should probably think that, about that. Was, that was also fun. But yeah, it'll it, it can be like uh, what was the SNL does that with with like their host that like hosts five times. It's like the five timers club. <laughs> here I am, we the totally uh, podcast a handful of times club. So. <laughs> hey, hi. <laughs> So Alex Jones was just found liable um, in a trial regarding Sandy Hook and the lies that he has spread about it, largely that it's a conspiracy. And I'm wondering if you can just kind of give us an overview of what's going on and kind of the larger implications. Yeah, there. Well, so in this case, this was one of three trials that that Alex Jones has coming up that are specifically about Sandy Hook. Different parents are suing him. And two trials are in Texas. This one was in Texas, and one is in Connecticut. And the one in Texas just wrapped up. And long story short, the family that sued him was awarded something like, I think it was around $45 million in punitive damages, and Mm -hmm. then another four or five million to um, compensate them. Mm -hmm. But it's not not for sure whether or not they'll actually get that money because of weird things with Texas state law. But the basic premise of this trial was uh, that Jones had lied about the Sandy Hook shooting by not retracting his conspiracy theories where he would say things like that people involved with it, that the children were actors, that the parents were actors, uh, that it just didn't happen or that it did happen, but it was the government that did it because it was part of a plan to implement gun control. These, These sorts of things that tend to come up a lot after mass shootings. I mean, it's good to question narratives and to, to, not accept, for instance, you know, what the police tell you right away, you know, the, the Uvalde shooting. I mean, that was a, that's a good example of when the the cops lied, but the conspiracy theory wasn't, oh yeah, it was a fake shooting. It was, oh, these cops were scared and stood, stood around the hallway. You know, that's, that's what happened there. But Alex Jones will go out and he'll say, Oh, the Sandy Hook shooting—that didn't happen. And I finally saw through it, and I can't believe that you know people are people who who think this happened are demons and stuff like that. And when he mm-hmm. talks about demons, he means actual demons, um, which is its own issue. <laughs> <laughs> but so so in this in this trial, so basically the parents were then harassed by his his followers and his listeners. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the issue. And for years they had been asking him to please stop doing that, to please stop uh, 
saying that it didn't happen because it very clearly did. Mm-hmm. And it, he just didn't. He just kind of kept going. And over the course of the years, he would just he just never pulled back from that, you know, and mm-hmm. now he got to the point where he finally admitted that it happened and that their kids died. Yeah. It, it shouldn't take being sued for your entire <laughs> life's work to, to admit something simple um, because he, he was upset that he didn't get to see the autopsy photos or something like that, which is just, ghoulish and horrific in its own way like oh i need to see the autopsy photos of these children who were who were shot and murdered and all of this stuff do you think him admitting that the shooting actually happened do you think it'll make any impact whatsoever on his fan base absolutely not (laughs) it's 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 something where you know i've i've seen things from his followers saying saying like well he said what he had to say to try to try to help himself it's all it's all this like four-dimensional chess nonsense that that happens with with trump or really any politician that anyone Mm -hmm. likes where you're like no no no, there's a plan (laughs) there's there's usually not a plan yeah i mean sometimes things work out but there's usually not a plan so um but you know i mean i went back and looked at how he how jones has been responding and you know, just in the past few days, he's been popping up and, you know, he was on Steve Bannon's show today talking about, uh, you know, how he needs people to go to Infowars.com and subscribe so mm-hmm. that he can continue to make to tell the truth and all of that stuff. But Dear it's, Lord. yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I just, I understand the mindset that he's in this say something so out there say something so off the wall that people are going to go oh i gotta pay attention to what this guy's talking about i have to i have to, to yeah what's he gonna say yeah, next? i have to watch that trails turn the frogs gay exactly so you've got you've got that happening and then you've got people in mainstream media who are just amplifying it and and that is not helpful. I think that if you're going to amplify something that Alex Jones says, you should do it in a way that makes clear that he is just totally ridiculous, that makes clear that he is telling lies. And that's something that mainstream outlets are not good at doing. I mean, on the other hand, you have like media matters that will say, you know, like, Oh, uh, Alex Jones attacks judge in his trial in a pre-recorded whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's fine. That's that's one thing where your whole thing is, hey, we are showing you what the worst people on the planet think. Mm-hmm. We are showing you that because in the run up to the 2020 election, I mean, Alex Jones's show was where people like that um, the guy from the Oath Keepers would he he went on there all the time and he was like, yes, we will be stationed outside of D.C. ready to attack, you know, <laughs> like stuff like that, where you're like, man, you shouldn't be saying this out loud. Yeah. And then actually going through with it, which you right. did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it gets it's one of those things where who knows who knows what the right answer is. <laughs> so, Parker, I I really liked your most recent article on the present age um, newsletter about Alex Jones, particularly the first line of the piece, which says, I was on mushrooms the first time I heard Alex Jones's voice. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yeah. that experience? I mean, can you imagine a more terrifying time to first hear Alex Jones <laughs> than being on mushrooms? It, for, it was the first time I did mushrooms, too. Back when, oh, I, back when I lived in uh, Decatur during my three semesters at Milliken University uh, in Decatur, <laughs> Illinois. Sounds like um, a bad trip. It, you know, it, it ended up being, being fine. It was fun. Okay. okay. Um, I, I rented a house with some friends at the time. And so we we're, we we're doing mushrooms and one, one person goes, Do you want, we should watch waking life, which waking life is great. I had not seen it at that point, but it's also some, something that you either, absolutely should or in no way should you ever watch it while on mushrooms so it depends it can go either way (laughs) so basically uh alex jones was in this movie he had like Mm -hmm. a small part but it was enough for 
people to kind of see him and and maybe take an interest in his work because mm-hmm. the stuff he yells in the movie is total you know stuff that everyone can kind of get behind where he's he's in this car and he's yelling he's like uh, talking about uh, raging against the corporate slave state and about the 21st century being the age of humankind standing up for something pure and something right mm-hmm. and it's like yeah hell yeah man all right uh <laughs> you know little did i know he was also like tower seven you know <laughs> so it's like these other aspects that i didn't know yeah. but I was just thinking about that, how Alex Jones has popped up in media all over the place over the years. I mean, he was in Waking Life. He was in that same filmmaker's other movie, uh, Scanner Darkly. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had a smaller part in that. But he also would pop up places like The View, which Mm -hmm. he was on in 2011, where he went on there to talk about uh, Charlie Sheen when he was going on his weird rants about tiger blood and you know, being a winner and stuff mm-hmm. like that as he got fired from two and a half men. And then in 2013, uh, Alex Jones went on CNN to talk about guns. And mm-hmm. the whole time it says like, Jones is host of the Alex Jones show on infowars.com. So like mm-hmm. it was a big ad for him. And it's not that Jones looked, you know, looked like he had his had things together yeah. uh, when when he appeared on either of these shows. I mean, it, in 2011 on The View, he ended by shouting about Tower Seven, and where he's like World Trade Center Seven. And then in you know on 20, 2013 when he was on CNN, he at one point yelled, "1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms." So you know, classic stuff. But at the same time it helped him build this sort of, you know, mainstream brand. And I, the whole point of my piece is that Alex Jones has been tormenting people for decades. And the Sandy Hook trial was one example of that. But I think we really have to start thinking about how guys like Alex Jones made it as big as they are. Because people mm-hmm. will now, if you say, hey, you shouldn't have Alex Jones on your show, or, oh, you shouldn't, Alex Jones shouldn't be given uh, an interview by Megyn Kelly on NBC. Um, if you say that, people will go, well, here's the thing. He has he has millions of subscribers and millions of viewers. So, uh, you know, you, we can ignore him, but he's, he's not going away. So we might as well expose him. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. First off, sunlight is not the best disinfectant. No, it makes things uh, grow. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. It just helps things grow. Um, and so you've, you've got that happening. But my question is like, okay, how did Alex Jones get this big? And the mm-hmm. answer is that all these media companies that are like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna shine a light on this, this guy's, you know, wacky ideas. Yeah, you're shining a light on him. And even if 90% of the audience agrees with you, if you're broadcasting this out to millions of people and the other 10% are like, you know, I like the way this guy thinks. I'm going to yeah. subscribe to him. I'm going to get out of my bubble. So, so I have a question in terms of, you know, as media is covering disinformation, is covering the ways that these lies spread, is covering people who are spreading them. What do you think the balance of like exposing some of this misinformation or these folks who are doing this, but also elevating them? Like where, how do you think about how to do it in a responsible way? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's tricky because you can't just ignore them. You can't mm-hmm. just completely ignore Alex Jones or anyone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when they get to be that big. Mm-hmm. And that's it's the same thing with like Trump. The the time to ignore Trump was in like 2011. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, now he's a former president and right. you you have to cover the the things he says no matter how out there they are. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the the challenge here. And I think that what and ends up being the right approach in my view, and obviously this is something that everyone can have their own opinions on, is to front load coverage with other voices first. Give Mm -hmm. context. If you want to include like a little interview with Alex Jones in part of a larger segment, I mean, the, the Megyn Kelly interview that she did on NBC with Jones, I mean, one of the parents of one of the children who died at Sandy Hook 
was part of that segment as well, which mm-hmm. was one of the one of the positive aspects of it because it it cut to that guy a lot mm-hmm. where he would just be like, my life is being torn apart because of these lies. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue with that was that it, it didn't just go, and here's Alex Jones who lies. It was, oh, well, Alex Jones started his career, in, you know, in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. doing public access TV. And then he moved on to this. It, it turned into something where he became a larger part of the story. Yeah. I think that, if you took that story and you decided to frame it in a way that was how lies are compounding the pain of Sandy Hook parents or some, something mm-hmm. like that, where it's about what's happening. It's not, a, it's not an Alex Jones profile. And mm-hmm. that is the route that they end up going to a lot of the time. The profile, <laughs> the, the let's show some photos of him as a little boy. Let's note what other large places that he's he's appeared on. But mm-hmm. I mean, Caitlin, I, I, I'm sure that when when you started writing, like mm-hmm. when you started like writing professionally, I remember we would kind of like chat, and one of the things that we would we would talk about is trying to use like where we've written to to get future jobs, you yeah. know. And and for me, it was like. Yeah, uh, so I was writing some things at Thought Catalog, and then I used those clips to get someone at Huffington Post to let me publish there, and yeah. and, I, and then I used those Huffington Post clips to get someone at Salon to let me publish there, and then to Slate, to Rolling Stone, to New York Times, and so it just builds up. Like it doesn't <laughs> go from zero, from I think I'm going to write professionally to writing <laughs> at the New York Times, but there are all these like smaller steps there. Yeah, unless you're Barry Wispet. Yeah, like, like other <laughs> other places will will you know kind of look to that to look yeah. to your resume look where you've appeared and that was one thing that came up during the Alex Jones trial at one point his lawyer which i i don't quite understand what the approach here was yeah. like how he thought this was helping him but at one point um uh, Alex Jones's own lawyer asked if he appears on other people's shows, mm-hmm. and Jones says he's made thousands of media appearances throughout the uh, the years. And and you know he cited Howard Stern, Joe Rogan, Piers Morgan, The View, mm-hmm. uh, twenty to thirty BBC shows, which that's <laughs> a lot. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. And I don't understand how that helps his case, but it's another one of those things that it's yeah. clearly something he sees as giving himself credibility, mm. and. You know, I mean, there there's so much happening in the world that there's no shortage of topics to cover. Mm-hmm. And the, I think it's time that media outlets start to acknowledge this, like mm-hmm. acknowledge that you're, you can't cover everything that's happening in the world. I mean, it's it's right in the New York Times, uh, you know, their, their slogan, all the news that's fit to print. Mm-hmm. because you can't put everything in there. So you right. have to make editorial decisions, you know, and when you interview people for articles, you need to make decisions about who you're going to reach out to, whose story you're going to tell, who you're going to elevate. Yeah. And over and over and over, people have gone, well, let's get Alex Jones to, to comment on this because it'll be wacky. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Trump when CNN in 2011 was like, let's interview him like five times about uh, why he thinks Obama was born in Kenya. And that was the thing that happened. They, they helped lift him up. You know, same thing with the, the, the Daily Show with Tommy Lahren. Mm-hmm. That was that was the thing where she was in this right wing bubble. And then suddenly Trevor Noah pops up and he's like, hey, here's this really super, super successful person who who is super smart and super talented and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But you probably don't know who she is. So here, let me introduce you to her. <laughs> yeah. And then within six months, she's got a Fox News job. You know, she goes from working for Glenn Beck's weird website <laughs> to that. I can remember, I think it was, it must have been 2018 or 19. Uh, I think it was in the Senate. I was covering something related to reproductive health care because that was my beat. I was working for Rewire at the time. Um, but it was on the same day as Alex Jones testified in front of one of the committees about right-wing censorship, maybe, on social media. 
Um, and so you had like like Jack Dorsey was there, but like Alex Jones was also there. <laughs> and the biggest media scrum that I ever saw on the Hill was the one that was following Alex Jones. Yeah, well, I think that was the that was the d- day before he got kicked off of Twitter because that was the thing. Yeah. Twitter was like, no problem with Alex Jones. We're not going to do anything. And then suddenly, like, he yeah. physically confronts Jack Dorsey and he's <laughs> yeah. gone. It's just like, ah, okay, cool. Yeah. So that's what it takes. Um, um, but yeah, like the entire hallway and the hallways around um, where I was, which is in the office buildings, are pretty wide, right? Like... They're, they're public grounds. There's protests all the time, although not so much anymore because of COVID and all of that. But the entire hallway was just jammed with reporters. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, I actually made eye contact with them. And it was the weirdest, one of the weirdest moments of my entire life. Because I was like, well, what is this guy thinking right now? Like, I wasn't even there for him. I was just like trying to get somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> That's so, yeah. so much it's part of the problem mm-hmm. that that they go, oh, Alex Jones is is he the person who is going to tell you the mo- give you something with actual substance? No, yeah. is he going to give you a wild quote that maybe trans- goes <laughs> viral on Twitter? Yes, like yeah. what get those we- clicks? Yeah, like what's yeah. more important here? Is it information or is it attention? And they tend to go for the latter. How, like, how do you solve a problem like Alex Jones, though? Like, is uh, he is at this point? Is there a way to solve this I mean, problem? I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And honestly, I think that as someone who's followed his career for past several years, especially, mm-hmm. um, I th- I honestly think that with Alex Jones, the the only thing that will get him to stop tormenting people the way he does, because he he calls everything a false flag. Yeah, you know. The, there was a moment in the trial where they sort of addressed that, where he's like, well, I think there are questions about every shooting, blah, blah, blah. But it's something where I think until he actually faces real consequences for his actions that threaten to put him out of work completely, mm-hmm. that he's just going to keep doing what he's doing. He's going to go back to mm-hmm. saying that the the judge was possessed by an actual demon and he's going to go back to having Marjorie Taylor green on where they talk, where they'll talk about why they think that trans people should be beaten up and publicly, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things that, that are just things that Alex Jones does and he yeah. always will do. He's incapable of existing within the real world. And yeah. that's one of the, one of the things that was always tricky following along like what he was doing when when I was working at um, Media mm-hmm. Matters, is that he goes and he says all sorts of stuff that's ex- that's super explosive sounding. Like he'll talk about how he, he's like, oh yeah, well I talked to Trump today and blah blah blah. And it's just like, well you lie all the time. It's hard to tell if you actually talk to him. <laughs> there, he talks. He says so much stuff that is just completely bonkers. That like it, it's impossible to to figure out fact from fiction and i think part of the issue is that he doesn't quite know he just kind of rolls with it if he yeah. reads something and thinks it sounds good he's like yeah that's my that's my new reality that's where I, that's what i live you know and yeah. it's it's really frustrating to see people who who defend jones on the grounds of well uh, i may not agree with him but i'll defend his right to i mean <sighs> lives are destroyed like yeah. lives of these parents I mean, some of them have had to move yeah well, like well, half a dozen times and and, and the, the the issue with with all of this is that pe- people see that and they go well free speech sometimes it's messy it's like mm-hmm. but i at a certain point if you're just if you're lying for the and and you are causing harm just even if you take the the legal aspects of this out of there when this happens there is an there is a moral and ethical responsibility to stop, to stop telling lies that hurt other people. If he wants to lie about something mm-hmm. that doesn't affect anyone, that doesn't hurt anyone, that that doesn't risk setting his wild fans attacking people, then that is that would be 
fine. If he wants mm-hmm. to say that he lives on the moon in the in the winter, that's that, go for it. Like no <laughs> one cares. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are folks who are defending Alex Jones or saying, well, he has the right to say whatever he wants. And I'm wondering like what one thing that I've been thinking a lot about is about how our values around free speech have gotten really, you know, as, as a country um, and kind of the information environment that we're in and the way that algorithms and misinformation and disinformation spread and really manipulate the public, mm-hmm. um, you know, how, how to kind of balance or navigate that and what kind of questions do we need to be asking or what kind of values do we need to be rethinking? Sure. Um, around that. And I'm wondering if you have any insight into to those questions. Yeah. I mean, those are great questions. And I, I think that one, one of the challenges here is figuring out, you know, the free speech versus, hey, this is harming other people kind of aspect of this, which is, mm-hmm. which is really the balance at play here. Because you can lie. Lies are fine legally. Mm-hmm. Lies are, you know, there's no law against telling a lie. you know, on your radio show even. Mm -hmm. But when when things you do have an actual effect on the lives of others, that's where I think that things get a lot more complicated. You know, when you have people showing up at these parents' houses and stuff like that, or sending threatening messages to them, or Mm -hmm. just, just being horrible human beings, It's it's frustrating to see people go, well, on principle, I stand up for Alex Jones. I stand mm-hmm. up for him because I, I believe in free speech. It's, I mean, I believe that those families should be able to live their lives without being tormented by Alex Jones fans. By circus. But, yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> and, and while we're having all of these discussions about free speech, there are so many instances where speech actually is getting attacked. But the press focuses on what it wants to and Mm -hmm. so you have this focus on oh alex jones free speech let's talk about free speech Mm -hmm. but at the same time you have a a case in i think it's in virginia where republicans in the state are trying to get barnes and noble to stop selling copies of a couple books yeah now that seems like a bigger way of you know infringing on free speech is when you have a political party trying to use the power of the state to actually silence people to make certain books illegal like that is a clear free speech issue Mm -hmm. that is something that has not gotten talked talked about much at all that's something that you see one or two articles here and there and it just passes by but we'll hear every week when you know a, a, a Twitter outrage mob said a book was bad, and yeah. so now we have to talk about how the left is just as bad as the right when it comes to attacking free speech. Like that one time when people were like, "The trans community hates Adele now," and it was like one guy with three followers yeah. and who wasn't even trans who was like, "What is this about?" <laughs> and another one was someone who was straight up anti-trans who was like making yeah. a joke, yeah, and. It, it got picked up and, and Fox ran with it. And you see all of these stories pop, pop up all the time where they try to invent these free speech, you know, crises like Dr. Seuss is being canceled, mm-hmm. you know, and by that they mean, oh, the company that puts out Dr. Seuss books uh, decided to take a few of them out of print after like 60 years yeah. that no one's ever heard of them. You know, these these sorts of things where they're just stupid fake stories that don't <laughs> matter. But, you know, now we have people who are out there like, I am a champion of free speech and I defend Alex Jones. It's like, okay, that's cool. But why don't you like take one of the easier cases here? Why don't you take one of the more slam dunk uh, instances of someone being (laughs) silenced instead of going, I need to stand up for the rights of the most out there, wacky, (laughs) wild person on the planet. That Dr. Seuss reference is a deep cut for this show because that was like one of our first episodes. <laughs> so that that happened in like my like final few months at at Media Matters, and that's mm-hmm. when like I realized I, my I was like my brain is just 
not handling any of this because it was making me angry. I was just like, it's so stupid. People go on and they, they go, oh, Dr. Seuss. Dr. <laughs> Seuss is being canceled. And then if you try to say, how is Dr. Seuss being canceled? They're like, you know how it is. The left is doing it. What do you mean the left? Dr. Yeah. Seuss Enterprises? Yeah. Big leftist organization, yeah. the corporate entity that owns Dr. Seuss's rights. This Come is on. just like Stalin Mao. Yeah. <laughs> just like George Orwell. So, so what did having to, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot? Um, because last year I was like very deep in anti-trans hate land. Mm -hmm. Is like what what those of us who are consuming all of this information and especially like diving deep on it, which you know, you you do some now, but I imagine when you were at Media Matters, your your whole world, you were just enmeshed in like right wing media all of the time. Um, and I've just been thinking a lot about like burnout and what that does to our brains and our mental health. And, you know, you, you may or may not be up for talking about this and, and, and that's fine. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's been something that I've been struggling with, like as we are combating this misinformation, as we are combating this hate that like there are people who need to be monitoring it, but it's also like really bad for us and like how do we kind of navigate like self-care and being healthy and having boundaries when oh. everything feels so urgent and critical and also we're like really enmeshed in it yeah that's that's something that i think i'm trying to figure out as well <laughs> um, <laughs> i mean it, it a few weeks ago was really bad for me a few weeks ago i just kind of hit this like point where my brain was like i am done and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. I had to like, I, I kept finding myself being like, I need to delete Twitter, but then I didn't delete Twitter because, you know, yeah. if, if deleting Twitter was an easy thing for me to do, I would have done it by now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think you're preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> One of those things where now it's like, I'll look at Twitter and it just makes me so frustrated all the time because it'll always be something you know, there'll be someone popping up and going like, um, quick question. Uh, and I mean this in a serious way, but how is Rachel Dolezal any different than trans women? It's just like, cool. <laughs> we can have this conversation again. again. You know, like, those will pop up like every, every few days. And, that was and, like and, the discourse when I first like came out and that was and over it, a half decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone do it like two weeks ago. Um, but I, I think the, I think the answer is honestly to get your news not directly from social media. Yeah. That's one of the things I've started doing is instead of going, oh, I'm going to check Twitter to see what's going on today. Yeah. I go, oh, I'm going to open the New York Times app to see what's going on today. Oh, and while the New York Times can infuriate me in its own special ways um i think that that's better than getting the like weird formatted for social media kind of approach to you know firing the news in your face kind of situ situation yeah. and whatever it is that helps you get through from one day to the next without feeling like your brain is on fire yeah. uh, then that i think is probably a good thing to do um you know if you find yourself getting angry about all the news as i often do yeah. um maybe find something that that just that that gives you a break from that i've been playing a lot of video games lately yeah. uh, what have you been playing i am just about finished with death stranding oh okay which i didn't know what it was and i'm like oh wait so this whole thing this dude walks around with a fetus in a little jar and <laughs> it's just him walking the whole time i was like yeah. that's fine i'm gonna do it 50 <laughs> hours of that. And, nice. you know mlb the show gonna play that gonna play Fortnite. <laughs> you know, all of these just just things that have nothing to do with the news yeah that is what i've decided to kind of just just focus some energy on because otherwise, if I'll think through the day, I'll be like, cool, what did I do today? Well, <laughs> I was uh, on the internet and then uh, it was 10 hours later and I feel angry, you know, like that. <laughs> that's yeah. not healthy. That can't be healthy, you know? So I'd rather do that or mess around with like weird AI art stuff that uh, I've been really into lately, um, which I find totally fascinating. Um, but... I, I think honestly, it's just a matter of 
you know, if you don't have to read The Federalist, don't read The Federalist. <laughs> Nothing good comes from there. Their reach is their reach is smaller than you might think. And that yeah. is another aspect of this that I'm trying to keep in mind to not quote tweet people to dunk on them, uh, which is oddly hard. Yeah, because, because all the I'm way doing... the algorithm works, that's how that the algorithm encourages that. Exactly, you do that, yeah. and then and then not only do I feel bad about having to think about this article that I just quote tweeted, <laughs> but then I'm putting it in your feeds as well. Like, why? Yeah. What am, what good is coming from that? So I've I've been trying to be a little more mindful of that because I, I feel like that can't help to be like I don't know, sort of like. You ever have someone tag you into something and go, hey, did you see what so-and-so just said about you? And it's like something negative. It's just like, why would you tell me that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's one thing to know, like, hey, here's someone who's saying something really, really horrible and dangerous. Like that's that's different than like, hey, someone said that your article sucked. <laughs> so I don't need to know this. That That yeah. is their business. That I've is not mine. I've been thinking about this a lot, all of this stuff really, because I went on vacation a couple of weeks ago and it was like me and my mom and my cousin and my aunt. Right. And they're all older than me. They're, they're boomers basically. And my mom and my aunt get all of their news from MSNBC. Like mm. only MSNBC. So they'll like watch it like at night and then they'll wake up the next morning and they'll say like, did you see this? And it was like, yeah, something that I saw like the morning of the day before, because I was on Twitter. So I've been thinking a lot about like, who gets news where and how does that affect their perceptions? And on top of it, like, I keep getting caught in these Twitter mobs um, who aren't necessarily targeting me, but they're like targeting people who I don't necessarily want to say I was friends with them, but like online friends, right? Um, and I don't want to get into specifics about anything. We might go back to it in a future episode, um, but I keep getting caught like in the periphery of it and it's all driving me insane. And um, like I'm moving this week and the move actually has been the greatest thing because like if I don't like what I see on Twitter, it's like, oh, I could just pack up a box like I could be pissed off and then pack up a box. And then I'm it's out of my mind because I want to get do the next box. Right. So like. <sighs> Yeah. It's well, like a weirdo version of touch grass, but it's like touch touch cardboard. <laughs> touch box. <laughs> wait, wait a second. <laughs> but but for real, I mean, I think that that's another thing. That's another thing I've, I've been thinking about is this like, you know, seeing like an online mob more and more. Like, I think I know exactly the one you're talking about. And I stayed in far away from it as humanly possible because yeah. I was just like, I just don't care. I just do not care. And, and you know what? That's fine. <laughs> I should have taken that approach, but I didn't. And I regret it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's something that I, I, I've been trying to think like, okay, what's the best case scenario for me tweeting right now Yeah. before I tweet. And that's been really helpful. Like yesterday I like, I saw something, it was, oh, it was a quote from Biden's Twitter account that said, more Americans are working now than at any point in history. And I was going to tweet something that was a, a, along the lines of like, yeah, the, the, the thing about using more blank or verb now than at any point in history is that it tends to be true as long as things aren't going horribly, horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. um, because there are more people now than at any other point in history. <laughs> right. I mean, that's Joe Biden being like, oh, I, I have more votes than anyone in history. Yeah, I mean, two or three elections from now, that probably won't be true because yeah. that number is going to keep going up. Right. And But then I thought about it. I was like, what is the outcome that I can get from tweeting this stray thought that is just floating through my head? And I was like, nothing positive. Yeah. People could go, yeah, that's an interesting point. But I could also get people who are like, how dare you criticize Joe Biden or yeah. whatever, whatever the case is. I mean, Parker Malloy, secret Trumper agent. Confirmed. Yeah, well, and, and you, you dealt with this, same, this thing with, with your like, 
the vaccine dates yeah exactly like when when you're like oh you screwed up the vaccine dates on purpose like people attribute all of these dark motivations so yeah so that's that's kind of been one of the best things that i've done recently is just like i'm gonna just unless something unless i have an actual purpose with something i'm saying and unless i really really care about it i'm just not going to tweet and I'm not going to jump in to some like pile on good or bad yeah. because who knows, who cares? It's going to be taken out of context and people are going to read it the way they want because yeah. as much as in in my mind as I'm tweeting, it's like I'm just saying in, in a conversational tone, X. Like someone will respond, how dare you say X <laughs> in an angry tone? You know, yeah. these these sorts of things where everyone reads into it the way they want to. Yeah. And, you know, it it, it becomes pointless. It is pointless. Yeah. I mean, what it what did that recent pile on to teach anyone? Nothing. Nothing. No. Oh, don't work at a bad company. Okay. Uh, I mean, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. We're not going to get into anything. You know, I'm just saying just, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetical, you know, um, um, no, that's not really tweeting tweet. unless you have to yeah. or really, really feel it. Just just words to live by. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, never tweet. <laughs> so. You you bring up a good point about speaking with purpose, and I'm here to tell our followers to go subscribe to your newsletter at readthepresentage.com. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it was a pleasure as always. So, Caitlin, are you ready for some out-of-context cancellations? Because that is my favorite part of the show. I was born ready. Let's roll. So someone asked us to cancel periods, and I just I just want to say that, like, I'm okay canceling periods for cis women, too. You know, like, like trans women, trans masks, like, we do not have a monopoly on periods, um, even though... Even though that's, you know, obviously when we're talking about just periods without any context, we're, we're, we're talking about the trans period and not, not periods for cis women. But we can cancel cis women periods as well. <laughs> Somebody's going to cut that to say cancel cis women and we're going to get canceled for that. I'm going to say it. We can cancel cis women. No, no, my shirt right now, my, my, my shirt right now literally says eat the cis. No, no, no. So, like, I'm sorry. It's getting spicy. We're going to get canceled. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Caitlin. I can see that. I can see the headlines now. It's going to be like, show with misogynist slur and title cancels all women. Should our title for this episode be cancel cis women? No, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I won't do that. I won't do that to you. Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've taken I I've it's gone too far. Um moving on. We're gonna cancel media outlets gleefully celebrating Brad Pitt wearing a skirt when devoting no attention to the crumbling state of trans rights in the US. This is the thing that the media does, and it's a little annoying. I just like love love people being gender fucky love cis people breaking gender norms that's great like i'm here for it but like i honestly like like i'm here for it as like a like thing that is happening that i support but i don't need to fucking read about it in the media i don't need like this like woohoo brad pitt wore a skirt like oh my god brad pitt you're so brave for wearing a skirt you know it's just so brave isn't it kate technically jesus wore a skirt so like are we really breaking new boundaries here um no like i my problem with this is it always gets weaponized against trans women eventually because people are like oh why can't you just be like brad pitt or um you know uh, who else was it that that did this a while back harry styles harry style why can't you just be a harry styles why do you have to go around claiming to be a woman and all that and it's like leave me alone Mm. weirdo (laughs) so 
literally the people who are asking that their idea of what womanhood is 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 so based in like stereotypes and fashion and expectations around Mm -hmm. certain things and not actually like it's it's like a flattening of what womanhood is and so like (laughs) truly in, in a way that is like so like degrading to all women and i'm just like y'all <laughs> anyway chill. everybody chill <laughs> yeah and we could focus on a lot more attention on the crumbling trans rights in the u.s though so unfortunately when the media does that they often spread misinformation so yeah. like don't trust them to cover it and what a mess moving on um <laughs> we're gonna cancel homelessness and the violent and frequently genocidal policies that cities and states adopt towards unhoused people because yeah fuck that cities are really hostile to unhoused people and it's really really violent so we should stop that shit yeah it's like every other week there's a news article about like san francisco or la just like bulldozing people's tents and it's like that's where they live like it's just it's not it's not great sorry i keep putting context in our context out of context cancellations you know sometimes a little context is is all right (laughs) sometimes sometimes we got to talk about it next we're going to cancel whoever invented abandoned cart emails now i actually don't know what this is oh this is like well i think i know what it is Okay. I might be I might be adding the wrong context. Oh God! Okay. Um, so I might be spreading misinformation right now. Uh-huh. I think abandoned cart emails are like when you're like going to like shop somewhere like online and you leave uh-huh. something in your cart and you get an email being like, "Hey, did you forget this thing that's in your cart? Did you forget to order this thing?" Oh, okay. Yeah, and then someone else responded to that. And especially cancel the websites that won't show you how much shipping costs until you start to check out and then send you an abandoned cart email. Which, like, sometimes shipping's, like, so outrageously expensive. Like, be upfront about that shit. <laughs> you know, uh, I actually get a lot of these for um, Uber Eats when I order. Because mm-hmm. I'll go through and I'll choose everything. And then there's, like, one last window where I don't confirm my order. And I think I ordered it. And then, like, 20 minutes go by. And they're like, hey, are you do you still want to get this garbage food from this garbage restaurant nearby? And I'm like, oh shit, I didn't order. <laughs> and and you want your food because and you're I hungry. And I want my garbage food, yeah, please. So so maybe maybe this is an instance where we're not canceling that email, but maybe we should make it easier it's to order. It's not an email though, it's, um, it's like a notification. Yeah, so it's a little different. But okay. yeah, it, it does seem kind of predatory to, to be like, gas lady in that way so we're also gonna cancel jane lynch and weird gendered voice policing did you see this sorry we're gonna add yes, some content <laughs> oh my god was it vocal fry that she was complaining about so so basically jane lynch said that women's voices are higher than men's voices um and can get annoying if it gets too high and that if you're doing a podcast to consider lowering your pitch tad which like i'm sorry we like talked in like 20 there was a big conversation about this in like 2015 like this Mm -hmm. discourse has been had it's sexist (laughs) it's bad we've moved on like why why are you bringing this back into the conversation (laughs) It just makes my head want to explode. Like, like the normie cis women podcast. Yeah. Did, did like one of, one of the, that I'm not going to name. Yeah. um, But there's a normie cis women podcast that was real big. It was one of the first podcasts I listened to when, when I thought I was a normie cis woman. And, and one of the co-hosts of that did like a whole article about how this is sexist, like way back in the day. And we've had this discourse and it's boring and tired and like, no one cares. Like, let's please move on. So we were going to cancel Klondike for canceling the Choco Taco. But yesterday, Klondike said they're working on a plan to bring the Choco Taco back, saying it will take some time. Okay, I've never had a Choco Taco. Neither have I. We should be canceled for that because apparently people like them. (laughs) We should uh, we should do a live stream of us eating a choco taco. It's 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 gonna be a cute little cancel me daddy date. Here for it. Maybe we can get a sponsor. Klondike, hit us up. Um. Yeah, gonna get some some choco taco. Love this. Love this. <laughs> Incredible. Um. Okay. We need to get that choco taco cash. 
Listen. Chaco Taco Sponso Cash. <laughs> Listen, we need money. <laughs> okay, we're also going to cancel Amanormativity. And Amanormativity, if you're not familiar with it, means the societal pressure and implication in norm that mm-hmm. everyone should be coupled and that's the way to be mm-hmm. happiest and having one romantic partner and being coupled is is to be happiest. Um, and this is super normative and shows us like one way to live life. Like there's nothing wrong with being coupled up. There's nothing wrong with being monogamous, yeah. but there are so many different ways to live. There's a, there are a romantic ways to live. There are ways mm-hmm. to live your life and not build it around romance and sexuality. There are ways to be non-monogamous and have a bunch of different romantic and sexual partners. And so yeah, like let's let's get rid of like fucking societal normative scripts that like show us one way to live our life and don't actually ask us to check in about what we want and what makes us happy. Oliver. Hmm. I'm in I'm in a romantic relationship with afternoon naps. I mean, I love that for you. <laughs> Look, we are we are breaking the amanormativity. We are we are doing things differently. I've actually never seen that word before. Um, and I looked at it and I thought of Amato's restaurant, which is a chain in, um, it's like a chain of convenience stores slash Italian restaurant in Maine. And I was like, oh, this is where my brain goes. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to correct myself. I think I've been saying it wrong. I think it's Amato normativity, Amato normativity. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, um, but I believe that it's bad and I'm glad that we're calling it out and we're saying it wrong and I look like a big himbo right now and I'm okay with that. (laughs) This has gone off the rails. Off the rails. We're going to cancel being forced to go back to the office and then locked out of the only restrooms you can use. And we're also going to cancel the Blue Angels, which I did not know who they were, but it's part of the military industrial complex. So so we're not here for it. Cancel the Blue Angels. We're also going to cancel restaurants that blast music like you're in a club. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes I just want to talk to someone. Yeah. What's the reason for this? Honestly, it's just like really hostile to people with sound sensitivity issues like me. And I hate it. Also, like, like boomers. Absolutely. Let my dad have a quiet lunch. We're gonna. This was very specific, by the way. Um, we're gonna cancel dropping your COVID test swab on your dirty ass kitchen floor that you haven't mopped since Pride. Yeah, that's um, that, <laughs> that sucks. sucks. I'm really yeah. yeah. That's yep, yep. Fair. Cancel that. We will cancel that for you. It's it's gone. It's better. Um, the cancel daddy's got you. <laughs> Um, okay, so there's been some recent discourse that we're not going to get into. Um, nope. Um, <laughs> and there are, there's so many folds of it that we don't want to get into. No. Um, Maybe a will... future episode, but probably not. <laughs> um, someone wanted to cancel Twitter pylons. And yeah, I I want to say that, yes, let's cancel Twitter pylons. And my, I'm not going to get into it, but my general view of Twitter pylons, because my, my, my feelings on all of, all of the discourse that we're not discussing are very nuanced and messy. Um, but um, I, I think Twitter pylons are almost always bad, even when they're quote unquote justified. Because it's Twitter manipulating us to yell at each other. I would advise people to go listen to our uh, our other episode with um, Catherine Cross. It was one of Catherine my favorite Cross. episodes we've yeah. done. Um, and I forget the title of our episode, but it was like, "Why it's not your fault? You're a Twitter. You're an asshole on Twitter, something like that. Like, why are we an asshole on the internet?" That that. Remains one of my, our favorite, oh, one of my favorite episodes that we've done, and I'm I'm still struggling to sort of adopt to the things that we talked about. <laughs> but this the past couple of weeks have put that in very sharp relief for me. Um, so I am I am making an effort. <laughs> yeah, I think that that episode has totally changed how I use Twitter and how I think about mm-hmm. Twitter and how I think about engaging even when something is upsetting to me or Mm -hmm. 
I feel like justified and someone deserves criticism. Um, it's totally, it's totally changed. The, and also like what I do when someone I care about is being attacked on Twitter and how I engage mm-hmm. and think about that. So it's like completely, yeah. um, completely changed my relationship with Twitter for the better. And I, I think that uh, everyone should go listen to that if you haven't already. <laughs> If you want to cancel something, um, you can become a Patreon of our show and join our Discord. That's at www.patreon.com slash cancelmedaddy. We also have other perks like getting episodes early and you can tip us if you want to just support our show without any perks. Today's show was made by me, Olive Rash Klein, and my incredible co-host, Caitlin Burns. Daniel Peterschmidt made our theme song, and Aiden M.W. designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the member of our Cancel Hall of Fame with the great power to cancel all enemies, Mac. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling! Mm-hmm.